Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday, we begin in Alabama and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. The Music of America podcast continues today and happy birthday to me. How about that? I won't say how old I am. I'll just say I was born in 1956. So if you can't do the math and figure out that 68 years old, then yeah, I guess I just told you. All right, never mind. <laughs> Our guest today is Steve Austin from Black Mountain in North Carolina. We're going to talk with Steve and uh, what he does is really, it's fascinating and it's interesting. And we're going to talk all about it in just a moment. The jingle that hits like a single, that's the slogan for Jingle Lingo. It's an advertising vehicle designed to create a unique and personal jingle to promote and position your business and make it stand out above the crowd. Think of all the musical jingles you may have heard through the years. You know, who wrote that? Who came up with that jingle? Jingle Lingo can and will put your business into higher vision and focus on all of your advertising needs. Jingle Lingo, custom made and custom designed with you and for you through the talents of accomplished singer and songwriter Courtney Davis Jackson. Check them out today and get to work on your personalized musical jingle from Jingle Lingo, www.jinglelingo.com. The jingle that hits like a single. I just think like that, things like that are just so creative, Steve, don't you? <laughs> yes. Steve Austin, our guest here on the Music of America podcast, uh, former touring musician, I guess we could say, right? Used to play out and then uh, health reasons caused you to go a different direction in your music. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Uh, I had issues with my back. I was a drummer and played uh, the nightclub circuit in Arkansas and the tri-state area there. And uh, about the time I moved here, uh, I was in a labor intensive job that didn't really give me time to play at all. Uh And then I look up and and uh, eight years later, I'm not employed anymore because I can't work and I can't drum anymore. So I had to find a different route to go if I wanted to express myself creatively. Yeah. And and you call it prog rock, progressive rock, prog rock, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. And yours is all done on computer and digital, correct? Correct. Kind of fascinating about, about that. But let's get into that in a minute because uh, I'm tr- intrigued by something else. What tri-state area? You said you worked in the tri-state area. Are played okay, in the I area. was born and raised in Blytheville, Arkansas, which is okay. in the northeast corner of Arkansas. It's uh, 70 miles north of Memphis. Uh-huh. So the clubs I played, I played a few in Memphis, but they were mostly in uh, Blytheville and the surrounding area, and then some up in the Boot Hill of Missouri. So mm-hmm. when I say tri-state, that's what I'm referring to. Because there were some bands. I, my first radio gig was in Joplin on the other side of the state, mm-hmm. and there was a band there that was a pretty – good it was a pretty strong solid southern rock band called roadhog and they played Mm. they referred to the tri-state area as kansas oklahoma and missouri because it was all right there and arkansas every once in a while so it was actually a four-state area that was our our radio station slogan serving the multiplex of kansas oklahoma i used to be able to say this kansas oklahoma arkansas and missouri from joplin that's what we used to say and Roadhog, when they came in, uh, one of the old radio announcers was doing TV production at that time. They hired him specifically to do their commercials. And their commercial was always, Roadhog. <laughs> it was really cool. They were so much fun. It was like a biker band, but they weren't just a biker band, you know? They were just tight and hot and heavy. And I, we loved them, man. We loved them. And I was just hoping that when you said Tri-State, you 
you might have been somehow affiliated with them. But nope, other side of the state. Right. I, I suppose up. you could say tri-state for any fringe city that's on the fringe of two or three states. Sure. You're going to have a tri-state area. Yeah, yeah. Now, I grew up not far from you. I grew up in St. Louis, and just on the other side of the border in the Boot Hill, there's a little town called Pollard, Arkansas. And that's where, uh, I, I don't know what the lineage is, but somehow, some way, some shape or form, my dad's great aunt or something like that was the matriarch of Pollard, Arkansas. His great, great aunt, maybe. A little town just outside of the Boot Hill, just in Arkansas. How about that? Hmm. We might be. I don't recall ever being through there, and I've been all over that area. So, uh, well, if you sneeze, you miss it, you know? <laughs> yeah, a lot of those in Arkansas. <laughs> yep. So, what got you from uh, Arkansas to North Carolina? Uh, work. Oh, okay. And that's when uh, that's when you you were doing that and you didn't have time to play anymore, is what you were saying, right? Right. I was a mortician, and that is a terribly labor-intensive job. And the company I worked for was terribly understaffed. So, I was putting in hours. I, I couldn't even count the hours I was putting in. Yeah. And then you just got out of it, huh? Didn't have a choice, really. Yeah. Uh, the back went out, and I couldn't stand at a prep table any longer. I couldn't stand in a cemetery any longer. So yeah. it really wasn't anything I could do. So then, uh, it, it, but, you know, uh, it's funny how art works because it afforded you an opportunity to get back into music a different way. It, it did. Uh, not long after that, I received my settlement for my disability. I tooled up again and and started uh, concentrating on writing and uh that's why i'm where i'm sitting today and and it's an interesting style like i, I told you before the podcast while i was listening to well one of your songs we broke it up into two parts part one part two uh kind of like emerson lake and palmer kind of stuff used to do and that and uh but when i was listening to uh i guess the first one i was listening to i, I was having flashbacks of nectar and remember the future and I was thinking like yes and yes songs and that kind of style, because that was progressive to me back in the 70s. And you have a flavor of that, but a lot of contemporary flavor as well. Those are the bands I came up listening to. Yeah. I started with Rush when mm -hmm. I was uh, hot junior high age, went in a record store and saw All the World's a Stage album. Mm -hmm. Back then, of course, albums were 12 by 12, big cover, big picture. And the picture had Neil Peart's drum kit in it. Oh, and really? I looked at that and I go, wow, 12 drums and half of an orchestra pit full of stuff sitting up there. If somebody <laughs> can actually play that, this has got to be good. This so I bought good. it and I took it home and I listened to it. And at first I was taken aback by it. I didn't get it. It was just too much, uh -huh. especially Getty Lee's voice. But I didn't give up on it. I kept listening to it. And the more I listened to it, the more I realized these guys have got something nobody else I've ever heard has got. Mm -hmm. And Rush is like a gateway drug. It opened the door to Yes. It opened the door to ELP. It opened the door to Crimson. It opened the door to Tull. Uh, UK, uh, uh, all of the uh, names in that genre you can think of. Rush started that for me. And I just went from there. And that's where my spirit lives now is, is in progressive rock. And that's where it's going to live forever, I suppose. Out of all of those bands, I've seen three of them live, I think. Yeah, maybe four. But I, it was the same with me. I, I got into that. And then uh, I don't remember a band, Focus, because that was... They, yeah, they came in and, Focus. Yep. Well, Tice Van, Tice Van Leer was the flautist for Focus. And then I went down that rabbit hole, and I started going into like Norwegian 
flute music and, uh, you know, Scandinavian oboe music with a rock and roll bass to it. I just went really bizarre for a while and I did come back and it was, I think it was Nectar that brought me back to where I needed to be, you know, <laughs> by the way, have you seen Nectar lately? I have not. Uh, one of the most disappointing concerts I've ever been to in my entire life. And I've had 68 years of life, you know. I was really saddened because what really hooked me with them was Remember the Future, part one, part two, okay? That's what really drew me into Nectar. And they did a reuniting concert. And apparently, they've never really broken up. They've been playing for 40 years or whatever. And they were playing at a little uh, movie theater over in East St. Louis, East St. Louis side of Illinois, whatever. And a bunch of us went over there expecting what well, we're going to hear the whole Remember the Future. And they played all this other stuff that they wanted to play and not the stuff that we wanted to hear. And they finally played like a part of Remember the Future Part One. So disappointed. So heartbroken. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm not a big authority on Nectar. I, I know who they are. I've yeah. heard a few of their songs, but I, I didn't have a stack of Nectar albums coming I, out. I had one. I had one. And it was that one. It was Remember the Future, but it was just a non, you know, you had to flip it over to hear the rest of the album because the song melded into this one and went into this one. It was a whole story. And, you know, back in the day when, progressive rock musicians would do that they would write uh an album they would write like tommy the rock opera they would write a whole story or a whole concept right. album you know so when you saw getty lee or not getty lee, when you saw rush's drum kit were you already playing drums at that time or was that what inspired you to play the drums yes i'd been playing at that point i've been playing for probably about a year okay okay that's amazing then huh i can imagine <laughs> Like, yeah, because I'd never seen anything like that. I had a little five piece kit of Apollos I bought at a, a pawn shop uh -huh. for 70 bucks. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, other than what I'd seen on Don Kirshner's rock concert, I didn't really know a whole lot of, of, about equipment and stuff. And I saw that and it just, it just floored me. Aside from Rush, were there other bands or was Rush the one that you listened to that was your go to all the time for, you know, like when I wanted to sit back and listen to my music? Was it? Always Rush, or were you open to everybody? At first, it was always Rush. Yeah. And like I said, they they blew the door off the hinges, and uh, I was over at a friend of mine's older brother's house, and he puts on Going for the One by Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, Parallels came on, and, and Chris Squire's bass, just the, the lines he would play and how melodic they were, and his tone was, oh, his tone was just amazing. Mm -hmm. And I was... I was in love with Yes at that point, so I go out and I buy a bunch of Yes albums. And then somebody turned me on to Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, and I went out and, and bought Trilogy and, and uh, Brain Salad Surgery. So it it grew. It you know yeah. it started out with Rush, and it it branched off from there. I've got. Uh, I was just talking to some friends of mine. There's a, a trio, acoustic trio, that played here in Vermont, where I am today. Played here, uh, and I said, "You guys ought to tour together." Because each of them are standalone great artists. When they play together, they play as a band called Nina's Brew. I said, and I told them about the Works album. When Works came out, you know, side one was uh, uh, Keith Emerson. Side two was Greg Lake. Side three was Carl Palmer. Side four was Emerson Lake and Palmer. I said, you guys could do something like that with their style. No, it's not, you know, it's not the same kind of music, obviously, but it's that kind of talent. And that's the kind of talent that, we got as a well, I guess it was a derivation of King Crimson, right? Isn't that where uh uh well I know that's where Emerson came. Is that where Emerson and Lake met? I I don't know. Get down in the weeds on yeah, the anyway. 
let's talk about you then. Let's talk about your music. So now you come up with an idea, right? You come up with a music book because all your songs are instrumental that you're sharing with us today so you're not you're not a lyricist per se no there's a reason i do all instrumentals number one you hear my speaking voice it sounds like a nose with speak with sneakers on uh my singing voice sounds like that nose standing in front of a condenser mic so that is like nails (laughs) on a chalkboard to me uh number two the lyrics i write and i have attempted to write some sound like an eighth grader trying to be neil peart Oh. <laughs> so they're kind of sappy and I don't care for them. Uh, that's reason number two. Reason number three is I don't know any musicians in North Carolina because of, well, the intense intensity of the job. And then I became disabled. So I never met anybody. Yeah. And number four, I've become a cantankerous old fart in my old age and I don't <laughs> play well with others anymore. You don't play well with the other kids. So, <laughs> no, sir. So, so when you start or do you like have days of the week that you write or you just wait till something comes to, and then you start writing or how does that work? Do you assign yourself projects to work on or anything? No, it, it, whenever I get a chance to sit down at the computer and, 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 uh, compose, I do, uh, it might be morning. It might be night. Uh, I don't have any set time to sleep. I just sleep whenever I get sleepy Yep. And if you were ever in, in the death care business, that you don't have a schedule. That doesn't exist. So I, I got accustomed to that. I'm still that way. So just whenever I get the opportunity, I'm in there uh, putting together chord progressions. Is that where it starts? Do you start with guitar sounds? Do you start with keyboard sounds? Or do you just start with something in your head and figure out what instrument you want to make that noise, or that, that, noise that sound? All of the above. I mean... Uh, I can wake up in the morning and go, boy, I would really, I've never written anything in 13, eight time. Let's really, let's hook that up and see what we can do with that. Uh And and a song will come from that. Or I can hear a riff in my head and whether, like you said, I might assign it to guitar, I might assign it to to keyboards and a song grow out of that riff Hmm. or say I've downloaded a new plugin. I want to play with new instrument plugin. And I start doing an exercise with that to see what, you know, what I can get out of it sound wise and, and, and uh, what it's going to be able to do metrically and other, other things. And, and, and that'll a song will be spawned from that. So it, it can, it can be anything really. What's the longest time you spent that you can say, uh, laboring over one piece of music. Like I started oh. this one at three o'clock in the afternoon. I was done by five or I started this one in 1986 and I finished in 2023, <laughs> you know, well, you know, when I first tooled up and started composing, I, I had been composing earlier in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, just wasn't a big primary focus on it. I still remember things I had, had uh, did on an old Roland D20 sequencer when, back in the 80s and 90s. Wow. And I brought elements of some of those compositions into what I'm doing today. Uh, as far as sitting down and and i i don't think i've ever finished a song in one sitting it's just too labor intensive when you're doing it all by yourself yeah so you know i would i might sit down this next session i sit down i might sit down and 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 get a a a piano track down and then put a a drum track and a bass track and then it's time to go to bed or time to go eat or yeah yeah. you know take care of some other form of business and then i'll come back to it and sometimes that helps too, right? To just walk away from it and get, come back and look at it with a fresh set of eyes and say, ah, I it does. Or, Absolutely. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Because your ears get tired and, and, uh, walking away from it, coming back with that fresh perspective, you'll, you might come up with a, with a, a line or a part that you wouldn't have uh, thought of if you just kept sitting there. So we were talking earlier, I'm, I'm ramping up here to talk about your first song. We were talking earlier about a movie that I've never seen. And people, when I say that I've never seen this movie, they're like, you're, you're crazy. How can you have not seen this movie? The movie is uncle buck with John candy. And yes. your first song is Molly Russell's Wart. So because I'm unfamiliar with the movie, can you make that connection for me? Of why that movie and this song, what they have in common? Or how one triggered the other or started the other or whatever? Okay. Uh, one of the beautiful things about writing instrumentals, you can name them anything you want to. If oh. you want to call it Forrest Gump Clips' Toenails, you can because there's no lyrical content to contradict that title. Okay. And uh, I start, I believe in this instance, I actually started the song with a working title that was either a number or something. And uh, I stopped the session and was flipping through the channels. Uncle Buck came on and there's a scene where Uncle Buck goes to a parent teacher conference with his niece's principal. Uh And she's got this enormous mole on her, on her face (laughs) and he's messing with her and he introduces himself. Hi, I'm Buck Melanoma, Molly Russell's wart. And that's, that's a song title, buddy. That there is a song title. <laughs> that's funny. And and from there, you had to land it somewhere and you had a piece of music. So one plus one equals three, right? It does. <laughs> oftentimes. Especially in prog rock. In prog rock. Okay. Well, I guess it's now, Steve Austin from Black Mountain. And uh, first song of his we're going to listen to, as we just referred to, uh, uh, inspired by Uncle Buck. And the song is called Molly Russell's Wart here on the Music of America podcast.
Wally Russell's Work, a song by Steve Austin, our guest here on the Music of America podcast from Black Mountain, North Carolina. Years ago, I got into an accident at work where I ended up spending a month on my stomach while my back wounds healed. Kind of, well, not as bad as Steve Austin, our guest here, but, uh, you know, I was injured and uh, I had scalded and severely burned my lower back. Well, about two weeks into my healing, I realized I haven't had a cigarette in two weeks, so I quit smoking. Now, that method worked for me. I don't suggest it for anybody else, but thank goodness we have a company called Laser Therapy South located just outside of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Since 2003, Laser Therapy South has helped thousands of people quit smoking, reduce stress, and alleviate chronic and acute pain. Laser Therapy South has developed its own unique approach to tackle both the physiological and habitual components of addiction to help you achieve total success. Laser Therapy. It's an acupuncture-based treatment it originated in Europe and Canada about 25 years ago. Your success is measured immediately. Laser therapy is instantaneous. Your treatment date is also your quit date. The laser is sort of a cold or therapeutic laser. It doesn't produce heat. It doesn't cut through tissue. In fact, most clients report having a feeling sort of like having had a massage after treatment. Laser Therapy South, www.lasertherapysouth.com, where all of your questions can be answered. Check them out if you want to quit smoking lasertherapysouth.com, where being a quitter is a good thing. Steve Austin, our guest here on the Music of America podcast. I've been dying to get into this. Uh, so your music can be really long because a lot of progressive rock songs are really long. I mean, I'm, one that always comes to mind with me is uh, Monster by Steppenwolf, first really long heavy metal song, that and The Pusher also by Steppenwolf, both of them over 20 minutes long, Okay. And when we talked about coming on and bringing some of your music, one of the songs you submitted was a song called Latches and Pippic. And we broke it up into two, like part one and part two, because it's such a long piece. And this way we can kind of dissect it and talk about those two pieces, right? Correct. Uh, progressive rock music uh, owes itself to many different genres, one of those being classical and classical music in a lot of instances is composed in movements. Uh -huh. Progressive rock in a lot of instances is composed in movements, and that's how Latches and Pippic is, Pippic is put together. Oh, okay. That's clever. I had a, actually, I, had a, I learned a lot about this. I had a chamber uh, orchestra, or chamber, uh, boy, what are they, I don't know what they're called now, but it was a string, a string quartet, but it wasn't a quartet because there were like 20 voices, you know? It was it was all chamber music, and they sent me samples of songs because, like you were saying, they're in movements, and some of the songs, some of the pieces that they would do could be 30 or 40 minutes long because this movement goes and leads to this, which leads to this, and that the whole piece, the whole song, and I'm using the word song in quotes, the song might be a half an hour or more long. And you're saying that's that was an inspiration, I guess, for progressive rock or a, a style of some progressive rock. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Never heard that before. That's pretty cool. And the other thing that's pretty cool was the opening of this song has, has a bit of the Three Stooges in it. Yeah, I hope we don't get in copyright trouble. I think that I think it's public domain. So but yes, it does. Yeah, and and it's uh I, I remember the bit, and then Curly says it's Latches and Pippic, and I never knew that that's what he said. It's one of those throwaway lines to me, but now it has so much meaning. It, was that one of those, well, I got to call it something. I'll watch the Three Stooges. Ah, okay, I'll just call this Latches and Pippic. Was it that, or did you 
think that's a great title for a song. And I've got a great song. Let's marry those two together. The title came after the fact in this case. I had been working on the song and uh, then I put this, put it down into the session and turned on YouTube and seen, oh, wow, they've put a whole bunch of Three Stooges on here because usually there was only four episodes of the Stooges you could get. Uh-huh. Uh, the, everything else was copyright protected and they were real uh, adamant about keeping it off uh, streaming platforms. But all of a sudden, all of it's there. So I start watching it, and I, I see that that scene, and I'm going, yeah, this song's named Latches and Pippic. No <laughs> doubt about it. It's just hilarious that the, how that comes about. And it fits. You know, it just it really fits because it's uh, – tell me about the song. Tell me how you built that. The beginning of the song is traditional jazz, mm-hmm. and I do that to myself on purpose. Uh, traditional jazz was always a genre of music I had the worst trouble trying to play. Uh, I could do the eighth note kick drum line simple, the ding ding a ding ding a ding ding a ding mm-hmm. ride cymbal ride. That that was no problem. And then the hi hat is with your foot on two and four, just like the backbeat in a rock song. Yeah. But the snare drum was sort of a free agent. It didn't have a pattern, didn't have a discernible pattern, and it was making odd accents that were in odd places and then all these grace notes and 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 ghost strokes and stuff and i just couldn't figure out what to do with my left hand so uh i like to challenge myself with styles of music that i am not comfortable with that's how the opening uh movement of this song came about i was saying okay i'm going to do something in jazz if it kills me to do it now you're taking people on a on a musical journey through this whole piece so i'm going to ask you to kind of walk us through that journey right okay part one is the first two movements of the piece um the jazz movement kicks it off and it goes from there into what i refer to as a cinematic movement i call them cinematic because you could take that movement and put it in the soundtrack of a cheesy 70s space opera would fit right in uh (laughs) so it's a cinematic thing it's got you know a uh, very fat instrumentation, uh, a lot of things moving in and out of it. And that completes the first and second movement. And I suppose we'll talk about the third movement when we play it. Yeah. But let's do the first, first two movements, which is what we're calling part one, correct? Correct. All right. So the song is Latches and Pippic. And the first two movements is part one. We're going to listen to that right now, right here on the Music of America podcast. Stick out your tongue. Say ah with your mouth closed. Ah, rats. This is serious. You're right, gentlemen. It's strictly a case of lapis and pimping.
Latches and Pippick Part 1. I'm going to get into Part 2 here in just a moment here on the Music of America podcast. Our guest today, Steve Austin. I was talking to a friend of mine about my brother's couple's workbook called Two Years After Forever. It's sort of a how-to guide to improve your communication skills, which, as anyone in any relationship knows, is crucial. So we speak a little later on in the conversation. I mentioned the book again. I said, Two Years After Forever. That's the name of the book I told you my brother wrote. She interrupts me. She goes, oh, what? what? Your brother's book? I thought you meant a book you borrowed from your brother. Three little words. My brother's book. Two entirely different interpretations. Well, in two years after forever, there are exercises that you can do to help form better communicative skills to avoid pratfalls like that one. Along with your partner, learning and applying these exercises help you get back to why maybe two years ago you pledged a life together forever. Two years after forever. Two years after forever.com and available at Amazon today and forever. Steve Austin, our guest from Black Mountain, North Carolina. You said it's just, just at the foothills of the Appalachians. Is that right? Yes, sir. And do you pronounce it Appalachian or Appalachian? I've heard it both ways. I'm not yeah. sure what the official official pronunciation is. I say Appalachian, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, uh, there's a gentleman I talked to from Ohio, and that's what he said, too. He set me straight. And he said, well, you keep calling it Appalachians. <laughs> it's Appalachian. I'm like, you know, you, know. You, say, you say potato, I say vodka, you know. <laughs> 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 so so the second part or part two of latches and pippic so that's movements three and four correct correct and that's when it gets to me it it, it got mellow and then progressive yes right? yes yeah. uh it comes out of the cinematic movement that we discussed before and it goes into a prog rock movement that uh is in uh 2116 time wow which i write in a lot of odd odd meter signatures i love odd meter uh this is probably the most difficult odd meter uh that i have ever tried to to uh write in and and, and to be honest with you most of the stuff I, I write i could have played it on drums back in when i still could play this one I might have had to call Thomas Lang or somebody in to take care of it because it, I mean it's it's impossible to count and it's it's so quirky and jerky it, but it, it flows pretty well actually after you add the rest of the inform, in, instrumentation in with it so I was really pleased with the way it come out. I love the end product. I mean it was really cool. It sound it's a part three is a standalone song to me. I mean it was that good. You know it was that interesting and it had me interested and then i got to hear part four thank you and part four goes back to jazz again it's yeah. like a it's like a prog rock sandwich on jazz bread it opens <laughs> with jazz closes with jazz <laughs> that's perfect that's perfect I mean, you couldn't have said it better like your lettuce is the space rock right <laughs> yes <laughs> that's so wonderful so that was that was uh and what was the same time signature then at the end as it was at the beginning did you revert to that Right, it's 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 typical bebop four four jazz uh -huh. at the beginning and end. It goes into that strange uh, twenty one sixteen signature when it progs out. Yeah. Uh, also has a four four section in the prog section, then right back to four four bebop. You can tell you're a drummer just by how you come up, come about your music. You know, that, that makes Drums it so much fun. To be in, go ahead. No, just it, it makes it so much fun. It's so interesting. 
I think of Phil Collins, you know, what, what, you know, how many other bands? I mean, the drums, it began at the drums and comes out, you know? Well, when you think about it, uh, that's how music is constructed. It's like building a house. You don't build the roof first. You build the found, put the foundation and the plumbing in. Then you wire the electric, then you put up the walls, then the roof. Well, in my thinking, the drums and the bass are that foundation. The rhythm guitar and whatever other rhythmic instrument you use to counter that are your walls. And the vocals or melody, in the case of my music, because it has no vocals, that's the roof. Uh And uh, if you try to build it in the opposite order, it's going to tumble. Well, with your music, the vocals might just be like the light fixtures or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Following that analogy, (laughs) because your, your music, the foundation and the roof are the same. And then the walls might be that, you know, that other stuff in between there. Right. The instrumental stuff. (laughs) It's funny. So, um, when I listened to this the second time and the third time I listened to this as, uh, when you brought this up earlier as 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 soundtrack music for different types of movies have you thought of marketing that or have you marketed that to production houses to say use my stuff uh all my delusions of grandeur died decades ago i have none anymore i'm content if nobody but me and you ever likes this music that's that's fine with me or if you know if i end up with a uh, hundred thousand youtube followers that's great too if somebody were to contact me and say hey we heard your stuff we want to use it as a soundtrack for a movie i'd say hey send me the contract uh-huh. i wouldn't turn it down but if it doesn't happen i'm content out of your library of music in in your head and on your computer if you got a call by MGM studios. And they said, we want to use song X for this type of movie. What song comes to mind for you? Like what song in your repertoire do you think best fits what type of movie? Hmm. Well, like I said earlier about the cinematic portion of Latches and Pibic, that would go well in a space opera, I think. Uh-huh. Um, you've been I've, doing this, you've been doing this almost... for a long time. Do you have anything that's got a Western theme that'd fit a cowboy movie or, you know, or a, a uh, crime drama. I just uh, finished a song. I haven't got it on my YouTube page or YouTube channel yet called uh, uh, Questionable Espionage. And when I was started writing it and I come up with the original riff where I said, that's kind of James Bondish. So that's why I named it Questionable Espionage. Uh, um, and that might fit in some movie of, the, of, of that genre. Interesting. Interesting. I didn't mean to go down this rabbit hole because we've still got to play the second half of, of Latches and Pippick, but uh, I, instrumental music always intrigues me. I actually had a soundtrack writer on here once, and that's what he does. He writes music and he try, he writes music for soundtracks for, uh, what do they call them, industrial films? You know, like, uh, oh, this is Boeing and this is how we build the 737, you know, <laughs> and he writes the music for the backgrounds for stuff like that, or or how-to videos on on somebody's doing a DIY video, and he's like, you need some music, and let's kind of throw something together for him. But he's done some movies, too. And I thought, I bet your stuff in the right hands could be used for some really creative stuff, because it's, it's commanding and it's strong, you know? And sometimes oh, you. you need that on a strong and commanding movie, you know? Not so much maybe a, a Julia Roberts love and romance song movie, but... Uh, 
you know, if you're doing something about uh, Pearl Harbor, you know, or Inchon or something like that, I can see some of your music, you know. The larger percentage of my music is testosterone fueled. It's 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 aggressive yeah. like that. But I do have some stuff that that could fit in a Julia Roberts movie, perhaps. But uh, that's I guess that's a discussion for another time. The bulk of my stuff, uh, well, that's why I selected the two two pieces I did uh, to, to play today. They're pretty exemplary of what I write. Okay, well, let's listen to uh, to part two then. This is the second half of Latches and Pippic, part two. And our guest again is uh, Steve Austin from Black Mountain, North Carolina, here on the Music of America podcast.
That's the second half of Latches and Pippick here on the Music of America podcast. Our guest today, Steve Austin, one of the most interesting uh, interviews I think I've had because it's such an interesting style and approach to music. You're not a band. You produce music by yourself. And I'm leading up to this. This is the segment of the show where you can talk all about that because this is shameless self-promotion time. You don't tour. You don't do concerts. So there's only one way to support you, and that's to listen and listen and listen, right? Correct. Uh, if uh, if I were trying to uh, make money off this, probably the first route I would take was to grow my YouTube channel to the point where I can monetize. Mm. And I'm not anywhere near that yet. Maybe this podcast will, will help help me with that. Uh, and then, uh, as we discussed earlier, it would be great if somebody wanted to use my stuff for, for any purpose, a soundtrack or, or a commercial or whatever. I would be more than willing to uh, to entertain that and, and, and write my name on the dotted line. Yeah, yeah. Just, just bring the paperwork right here. <laughs> sure. But where can we find you? Where can we find your music? I think you... You have, or you're working on a, a YouTube channel, right? Oh, I, I have a YouTube channel that's up in there, like 80 songs on it. I, I've done a lot of writing since I became disabled. Okay. There are like 80 songs, and I construct videos to go along with them. They're not, the video's not the focal point. The video is there to support the music, not the other way around. Okay. But it does give you something to keep your eyes on that's not a static single picture while you're listening to the song. Mm -hmm. uh my youtube channel is you, of course you go to www.youtube.com and then it's at steve austin 1963 okay and it's just like it sounds it's not steve with a ph right and it's right. not steve with an ie or anything like that it's steve just like steve and it's austin like texas just like correct just like the six million dollar man steve austin Oh, my living Lord. <laughs> yes, it is. The $6 million man and Stone Cold the Wrestler. There we go. Oh, that's right. Stone Cold the Wrestler. That's right. And 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 nobody's got those contracts that are that size for you yet, but they need to bring Not them. Not yet. They need to bring them. I, I would welcome them with open arms if they did show up. Yes, sir. Good healthy, my friend. Get better or stay healthy. Stay as healthy as you can. All right. All right. Thanks a bunch. Thank Enjoyed you. it. Had a great time. It was fun, Steve. Thank you. Steve Austin, our guest here from Black Mountain, North Carolina. Up next, a little country music, a little everything kind of music, really. Eric Summer, our guest here on the Music of America podcast. You've been listening to the Music of America podcast. If you like today's show, please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows, and the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the Music of America.